What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Founders Journal, my personal diary made public for the world. This is your host, Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. Today, I am talking about a phone call that I had last week that absolutely rocked me. It left me with goosebumps. It filled my eyes with tears, and I think it's going to be pretty impactful for you as well. So let's hop into it. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, so before we hop into this episode, I just want to give you full disclosure. I am sick. My wife has been sick for the last three or four days, and I thought that I was going to evade sickness myself, but on the last day of her cold, I got a cold as well, so I apologize in advance for sounding like shit. I'm very nasally right now, but no matter what happens to me, I want to deliver great content to my listeners, and I had an incredible experience last week on Zoom that I just had to tell you about, so it's okay. The cold can tough it out. Let's start with the story. So for context, last week I posted about eight business ideas that I could be convinced to build, and I actually recorded a Founders Journal episode about those eight ideas. So if you haven't listened to the episode, that may just give you some good foundational context on what I'm referring to. I'll link to it in the show notes. Within 48 hours of posting those eight business ideas, I had received over a thousand DMs from entrepreneurs on X, on LinkedIn, by email, looking to partner up in some way or to give me feedback on these ideas. I still have not answered most of them because I want to be thoughtful because people were thoughtful in reaching out to me, but I scrolled through all of the messages and one of them stood out to me. I'm not sure exactly what stood out to me other than it was from an entrepreneur, someone who I recognized, who many people who consume a lot of content on LinkedIn or Twitter will know. And this person has built up a very loyal following over the last 12 months. And I got permission from him to share his name. And I want this episode to be almost marketing for him and his story because I think he really is an incredible person. So his name is Scott Weir, and he is a workflow automation entrepreneur. His Twitter handle or X handle is at the Coda guy. And on LinkedIn, you can find him at Scott Weir. But I want to tell you about my experience talking to Scott. So I found the DM from him on Twitter. He told me that he was interested in building one of the business ideas with me. And that idea was a supercharged workflow agency that combines automation, offshoring, and AI. And this is very much in his wheelhouse. And so I responded to him saying, let's chat. And what followed was a 30-minute conversation that was probably the most impactful oh shit type of conversation that I've had in a year. It, it really left me just feeling both so grateful for what I have and so impressed by what he's been able to do. We got on this Zoom call and he was this normal guy sitting in his office. His specialty is creating automations with Coda, which is, it's almost like a juiced up Excel, Microsoft Excel that has a lot of different integrations and automations. So I remember in his background, he had a neon sign uh, that was the Coda logo. And I just said to him, I said, I'd love to hear your story. Tell me your story. And I had no idea what to expect, but he went on to basically share that he is 32, he lives outside of LA. He used to live outside of San Francisco, which I'll share more about. 
and he became an entrepreneur out of pure necessity. And you're going to learn why he became an entrepreneur out of pure necessity. He also started the conversation by sharing how important family is to him. And that's actually something that we really connected over in the first part of the call was how we wanted to be, you know, successful in our careers, but never at the expense of family. And he shared how much his wife means to him, his six-year-old son means to him, and how much his two-year-old daughter means to him. And then he started sharing kind of this very unorthodox background that he had that led him to entrepreneurship. He studied biblical studies in undergrad, which honestly, I've always been super fascinated by because while I'm Jewish, I'm not particularly religious, but I've always been interested in kind of the study of religion. So I, I feel like I could have a full conversation with him just about kind of his biggest takeaways from studying the Bible. And then after undergrad, he got a master's in education, right? So first of all, just very clearly, he's not the prototypical startup founder. And I think if you were to ask him, he would have never guessed that he would be an entrepreneur. His master's in education led him to a job working as a special ed teacher. And, you know, he lit up when he spoke about this job. He absolutely loved it. He shared with me that this is something that he literally thinks he could do for the rest of his career. And he could see himself returning to special ed or supporting special ed teachers through entrepreneurship. But the reality of the situation is around 12 months ago, his dreams of continuing to change the lives of young boys and girls as a teacher, it had to take a backseat to his reality. And it was a very harsh reality. 12 months ago, he was living with his wife outside of San Francisco, and they quickly realized that a teacher's salary could not support a family of four, even though my understanding is they were living outside of the city. So even outside of the city, it was high enough cost of living that they could not live there. And their apartment lease was coming up, and he shared how basically they had to move out because they weren't going to uh, have enough money to be able to afford their current apartment. And so they started looking for something within budget. And that's where kind of this whole story took a turn for the worst. With their very modest household income, and I can't remember from the conversation if he shared what his wife does, uh, if she works or if she's a stay-at-home mom. But what I do know is as they started looking for apartments, no landlord would approve them for a lease. So they could not get a new apartment no matter how hard they tried. And this really shitty situation of not being able to afford their place in San Francisco turned into truly his worst nightmare. And I can imagine the worst nightmare of any parent when he and his family had to move out of their place in San Francisco without securing a new apartment because landlords wouldn't approve them for a lease. So Scott, his wife, his six-year-old son, and his two-year-old daughter spent an entire month, an entire month, living out of their car as they tried to bounce back. And I just, you know, I'm a very visual person. So as he's describing this, I'm literally visualizing, like my brain is painting this picture of a completely crowded car, two people in the front seat, two people in the back seat, all of their belongings in the trunk. And I was just, I was heartbroken for him. And I thought that was the worst of it. But then what happened next not only broke Scott, but it left me gutted as I imagined this moment and this conversation. One day during that month, while in the car, Scott's son turned to him and said, Daddy, when are we going home? And Scott had no idea. He had no idea when they were going to be approved for a lease. 
he knew that they weren't going to be making any more money anytime soon, given what his very modest salary was as a special ed teacher. And he didn't, he didn't want to lie to his son. And so he said, I don't know. His son started crying and Scott's heart, understandably, was shattered into a million pieces. And, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but I can just imagine how how difficult that conversation is, how it can feel embarrassing, humiliating. It can feel like you're not doing your job as a parent, like all of the feelings. I can, I can only imagine. I can't imagine. But in that moment, I felt, I think, ounces of what I believe Scott felt during that moment. He felt trapped and he felt trapped because he was so fulfilled and called to his work as a special education teacher. But in this effort to help thousands of young boys and girls who needed it, he wasn't able to support the people that were closest to him, his family, his wife, and his two kids. So in that moment, Scott made a choice, and it's probably the hardest choice he's ever had to make. He had pause on his teaching career, right? This career that he absolutely loved. People spend their entire careers trying to find something that they are passionate about. He had that. He had pause on that, and he got laser-focused on one simple goal. And that goal was, make sure my family never needs to worry about money again. And so the teacher turned entrepreneur had never dreamed of starting a business, but it was about survival now. Like this is the true definition of desperation. It was make more money or live out of a car for the foreseeable future. So he thought about what sellable skills he had as a teacher. And it's funny, you know, one side note I'll say is I actually would argue that what teachers learn or what they become good at um, is actually incredibly transferable to being a great leader and entrepreneur. I was saying this to Scott on the call, right? Especially as a special ed teacher, you know, he had to get so good at being empathetic, explaining things clearly, being patient, probably being very organized. And so it also reminds me of, you know, like Jonah Peretti, who's the founder and CEO of BuzzFeed. I believe he was a teacher before starting media companies. So it's just interesting to think about that. Actually, there's more corollaries between entrepreneurship and teaching than one might think. But anyway, the sellable skill that came to Scott's mind was automation, which may sound unexpected or weird to you given you don't associate teachers with automating things. But let me give you some quick context. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Earlier in our conversation, Scott had explained to me that Special ed teachers have the highest burnout rate of any job in America, and they have such a high burnout rate because there is so much government-mandated paperwork that has to be filled out for every single student that you have. And so when he entered the profession, he promised himself that he wouldn't suffer the same fate as his peers, which was that many of his peers only stayed within special ed teaching for a few years because they simply couldn't deal with the unmanageable workload. And so basically any free minute that Scott had not teaching, he was teaching himself 
how to code, which he never had experience, you know, with software engineering, given he was taking biblical studies in uh, undergrad. And he was building automated systems that would help him delegate monotonous paperwork to a host of different digital tools. And the one that he started focusing on was Coda, which I mentioned earlier. And after a few months, he had built an operating system for teachers that could eliminate 10 to 15 hours per week worth of busy work. And he shared that with other teachers. I even on the call was like, that could have been a productized offering for schools is like sell this automated operating system into not just a special ed schools, but elementary schools, middle schools, high schools in general. If you have a system that can automate, let's call it 20% of your working hours as a teacher. And he agreed. He's like, I do think there's an opportunity there, but he's like the sales cycle for schools is like that of government where it just takes forever. So he was like, maybe I'll revisit it in the future. But anyway, this operating system gave him a thought, which was maybe I can do this automating thing for others. And so with his ass completely against the wall, living in his car with his family, having nowhere to live, Scott started creating workflow automations in Coda, and he started doing it for clients at $20 an hour. And just little by little, uh, having clients who are happy and providing early testimonials. He also started creating content on Twitter and LinkedIn about Coda and kind of what you can do with this tool and how you can set up automations. Like he started teaching the things he was building. It led to him actually working with really large clients. And these range from Robin Hood to Mr. Beast. And in 12 months, this was literally 12 months ago, in 12 months, Scott went from being homeless and directionless, not knowing what he was going to do after special ed teaching, to building a successful workflow consulting agency, which today, I believe, just has one full-time employee. The business will do $550,000 in revenue this year. We didn't get to talk about it on the call. I don't know what profit will be, but my assumption is profit is going to be like $400,000 minimum because he has such little overhead and he works mostly with contractors and freelancers. And he's going to end up making four times his special ed salary. And most importantly, and you know, to me, this is the part of the story that is so special, is this guy who never thought he was gonna be an entrepreneur was able to leverage entrepreneurship to now give his son the home he so longed for and provide a sense of stability and security for his entire family. And so, you know, I have so many feelings around this story and this experience. I feel so grateful that I have the ability just to speak with people like this, right? I feel so privileged that I could just get on a Zoom with this guy, had no idea about his story, and just be so moved by a story of someone in the face of desperation who's built something so special. Now, I do want to call something out, which is there's absolutely survivorship bias here, meaning Scott is clearly an incredibly talented individual. And for every Scott that there is, there are probably 50 other Scots who did not have the ability to leverage their desperation in a way that put their family in a better financial position. And, you know, it makes me feel sad and just a deep sense of sympathy for people who are not only put in positions where they have to put aside careers that they love, but they also are put into situations in life that you would never wish upon anyone, uh, whether it's homelessness whether it's working two or three jobs and spending no time with your family just so you can make it by. And so I just want to call that out that like Scott is clearly a very special talent and not everyone has the the good fortune that Scott had to get to a place where he has provided now financial stability for his family. The second 
reflection on this story is that there are many types of things that can motivate us in life. And desperation, clearly, from the story of Scott and so many other stories is a wildly powerful motivator. You know, I even think about in the context of my life, when my dad passed away, I I had this self-induced um, form of desperation that I created where now that my dad passed and there was no breadwinner in the family, I took on this responsibility of my family needs to be taken care of. And desperation really is a, it's an incredibly powerful motivator. I would, if I meet someone who is, let's call it desperate and wildly smart. I would bet on that person every day of the week to succeed. But I will say the downside of desperation is similar to like when people talk about they love hiring employees who have a chip on their shoulder is that is not a long-term driver of happiness. And what I mean by that is, you know, Scott has the ability now to um, provide financial security for his family. And it was driven by his ingenuity and his desperation. But I don't believe that ultimately running businesses will necessarily or success with businesses driven by his own desperation will drive happiness for himself because when you have a chip on your shoulder, when you're desperate, your happiness is anchored to the thing that you are desperate about or you have a chip on your shoulder about, right? So if you have a chip on your shoulder in your career because you went, you know, growing up uh, in high school or college, people told you that you were going to be a failure and you weren't going to succeed, you end up through having that chip on your shoulder, working super hard, working your ass off and finding success in your career. But then basically your happiness is dictated by how you think you are perceived to another person. And so once you've reached that level of success and you think you've stuck it to those people who now are gonna look at you and believe that, oh yeah, this person proved us wrong, he or she is successful, then the question is what motivates you moving forward? And that is why I believe desperation or a chip on your shoulder is a short-lived version of motivation. I loved having this conversation with Scott. Uh, I've loved replaying it for you all. And, you know, to me, it, it just shows the power and the beauty of entrepreneurship and why why I do this podcast, you know, why I create content, why I'm still building businesses is I really do believe entrepreneurship is one of the greatest tools uh, for people to be able to have an outsized impact on not just themselves, but others, as well as those close to them um, and their entire family tree. And so I hope you've enjoyed this story. I hope the lessons from it have resonated with you. And if you like kind of this very different vibe to an episode, which I would call like kind of a TED Talk or Moth Story version of entrepreneurship, let me know. Shoot me an email to alexmorningbrew.com and I'll try my best to find other entrepreneurs who have truly remarkable stories like this, who I'd feel incredibly privileged to be able to speak to and then tell their story to you. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks uh, for bearing with my cold. I hope uh, the sound was bearable and I'll catch you next episode. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.